Warmest Christian greetings to you all on this wonderful Easter day. Christ is risen. is alive. Alive as in risen from the tomb, alive as in the world today, and alive in my heart. And yours too, I pray. Hallelujah. I'm delighted to welcome Colonel Phil Maxwell, currently serving as the Chief Secretary in the USA Eastern Territory, as our guest speaker this evening. And we'll be hearing from him, and also from his wife, Desley, the Territorial Secretary for Women's Ministries, in our meeting later. But first, let's sing together the great Easter hymn, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. It's song number 218 in the songbook, of course, and we'll raise our voices together in this great song of praise.
What a great song that is. Once again, Charles Wesley manages to put into words so eloquently the praises of our hearts. I particularly like that phrase, love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle won. I hope I just heard some hallelujahs. To introduce our prayer time together this evening, we're going to hear from the Worthing Singing Company. And as I find so often, Joy Webb also has the words to bring us close to the Lord. And they're going to sing her song to us, As I Pray. Dear Lord, we come to you this evening with humble and grateful thanks for all that you have done for us. For leaving your heavenly throne and coming to earth in order to be the saviour that the world needed, the only one who could be that saviour, and the only hope for a world that was lost. We thank you for dying for us, that by shedding your blood we can be saved from the ravages and destruction of sin, and for the eternal victory gained by your rising from the grave on that wonderful Easter Sunday so long ago. And Lord, we thank you that now you live within our hearts and journey with us on our own pathways through life every day. We know that we would be completely lost without your guiding presence and loving companionship through our lives. And we pray that you will help each one of us to share the good news of your saving and comforting power with those who we meet as we travel on those roads. Tonight, as we share this precious time of worship together, we want to feel the warmth of your holy presence with us as we sing and pray and listen to your word as it's spoken. And fill our lives with your Holy Spirit's power to equip us for all the challenges that life throws our way. Be with us all and inspire us to be the very best that with your help we can be. Amen. 
Let's join together again now in praise of the risen Lord as we sing together song number 276. These words are set to stirring music from Handel and they put the focus of our Easter celebrations right on the very source of where they should be. Centred completely on the risen Christ, endless is the victory thou or death has won. Colonels Maxwell originating in the Australian Territory, I'm sure they'll be delighted that the band are now going to bring us the march He Lives. It was composed, of course, by Noel Jones. This piece has, just this week, been voted the favourite composition from Noel in a vote that was organised by the SA Music Index to celebrate his 80th birthday last week. And it's only when you look at the great list of pieces that Noel Jones has given to the Salvation Army Library that we can really appreciate what a tremendous gift God has given us all through his skill. This march, I'm sure, will have been played or heard hundreds of times today all over the Army world. He lives. <laughs> Thank you. 
Just over 12 months ago, my husband and I left the USA Central Territory to take up new appointments in the USA Eastern Territory. It wasn't long after arriving in New York, just a matter of six weeks, that the whole world went into lockdown due to COVID-19. Fortunately, in those first six weeks, we had the opportunity to visit five of our 11 divisions within the Territory. But of course, with March 16, 2020, the world radically changed. Within days, territorial headquarters, divisions and core and community centres were reduced to skeleton staff. And with New York being the epicentre of the COVID-19 pandemic for the USA, we contended with a rising death rate and an unequalled number of people who were negatively impacted by the pandemic. While the Lord has been incredibly good to both my husband and me during all of this, I am so grateful to him for his hand of protection on our family who live back home in Australia and for the sense of connectedness that has come our way with family and friends via Facebook. But most importantly, we have both sensed a closer and a deeper communion with the Lord through it all. However, today I want to share how the Lord has blessed the Salvation Army USA Eastern Territory during this time. The last 12 or so months have certainly been a challenge in many ways for our people, but we also saw the sharpening point of mission for the Territory. Arising out of the turmoil that engulfed us, we witnessed firsthand the emergence of an army, officers, soldiers and employees fully engaged in frontline ministry and making a marked difference to the communities in which they served. As we wrestled at territorial headquarters regarding policies and procedures and resources and equipment, a transformation swept over the territory and in a matter of days, sometimes only hours, gymnasiums that typically serviced young people within a community suddenly became distribution centres. Core buildings became food banks. Our personnel morphed from being core officers or pastors, department heads, program directors and support personnel into warehouse supervisors, caseworkers and truck drivers. At times we were humbled to the point of tears to hear the stories circulating the territory of how God's hand was moving through his people. In many of our rehabilitation centres we saw one officer move out of their family home to live in residence with the beneficiaries. At the same time their spouse and ministry partner would stay in the home to manage the family while ensuring the centre's administration continued. We saw CORE hosting virtual graduation ceremonies for the neighbourhood children who could not celebrate this significant milestone in their lives due to shutdown. We saw CORE and CROC centres operating drive-through food pantries where families from the safety of their car, progressing through the various stands to collect food goods, made a final stop to a prayer booth, offering a sensitive ear and words of intercession. Our summer camping program that would typically see tens of thousands of people pass through our camps over three months, quickly morphed into camp in a box. Kits were compiled containing all the resources for a virtual camp experience and were delivered in convoy style throughout divisions. Officers, both active and retired, joined the bank of personnel from the USA Southern Territory in providing spiritual counselling across the country. 18 hours per day for months on end. Divisions drew from their brightest and best to conduct virtual soldiership, junior soldier and core cadet classes. These resulted in multi-campus enrolments simultaneously across divisions.
and what of worship? The Territory initiated and has continued to maintain online weekly worship services to minister to those unable to fellowship with their core due to state closures and social distancing. As things have began to open up again, we see officers supplementing this service with a myriad of online services around the Territory. To say that God has been good is an understatement. God, in miraculous and powerful ways, has turned these challenges into opportunities. I am so grateful to serve the God of Ephesians 3.20, the God who can do immeasurably more than we could hope, dream or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We may not see the true impact of these ministries this side of heaven, but we know that God has been at work. We know that people have been introduced to him as their personal Lord and Saviour. We know that some have deepened in their relationship with God as they have put their trust in him to protect and provide for them during this time. And through it all, God has been so good. And for that, I give him praise. Our piece from the Songsters this evening is Major Leslie Congdon's vocal selection, The Easter Message. It's sung for us tonight by the Portsmouth Citadel Songsters, and I'm happy to tell you that I was a part of the brigade when we recorded this in the wonderful open space of Portsmouth's Anglican Cathedral. I remember thinking as the sound of our voices reverberated around those stone walls about just how many Christians had raised their voices in Easter praise within them over the years. It was one of those shiver-down-the-spine moments that I'll never forget, and I feel so blessed to have been able to have experienced it. So this is The Easter Message.
this evening is taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. As the Colonel will remind us later on, we are so blessed in having the Easter story told to us by all four Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Each of them adds something else to the story, helping us build a wonderful, detailed narrative. But tonight, we're going to hear this excerpt from Luke's writings. Jesus has risen. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he has risen! Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, for their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. The cross has had a remarkable effect on our world. For many of us, the result of our coming to the cross has had a remarkable effect on us. And our band piece for this evening reminds us of that challenge. It's Dean Goffin's timeless selection, The Challenge of the Cross. It begins with a challenge for us all, and the old song, Must Jesus Bear the Cross Alone? And it reminds us of the effect that following the risen Jesus will have on our lives. We will need to kneel at his feet. We will need to allow his blood to save us. And then we will also need to take up our own crosses and follow him. And then we will one day join him in heaven and share in that glory. For love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. This then is the Ottawa Citadel Band and the Challenge of the Cross.
Last year marked a considerable milestone for Colonel Desley and myself. You see, we celebrated 36 years of officership, 18 of which had been spent as corps officers. For me, pastoring God's people has helped crystallise many of the significant truths about faith. Sid was our community care secretary, a ministry which had spanned for more than half a century. As his core officer, we had celebrated with his wife and family 50 years of marriage. But that same year saw his wife promoted to glory. I need to say, age doesn't make the journey of grief any easier. I can recall on a particular Tuesday morning when Sid was going about one of his duties at the core that we stopped for a while to have a chat. As conversation flowed, he shared openly about the life that he and his wife had had together. And yet mid-flow in the conversation, he turned to me and suddenly said, now I have to live by what I have told others. There are times within all of our lives when the faith that we profess has to be the faith that we hold tightly to. Today, I want us to take a journey through the three days associated with Easter to connect with three touch points in the passion narrative that directly speak into our world today. The four-dimensional appreciation of the gospel writers has allowed us to capture in graphic details all that transpired over those days. It's easy for us to paint in vivid tones a full Easter narrative. But I want to suggest to you that such a broad appreciation can come at a cost. Our preoccupation with the, this big picture can rob us of some of the finer details that speak into our lives. Drawing on the experience of Mary and her companions, there comes that time when we linger in the shadow of the cross. Matthew so graphically portrays the scene, Matthew 27 from verse 54. When the centurions and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. There are seasons within our life's journey when we are caused to stop and soak in the reality that engulfs us. COVID-19 has been a year-long hiatus for most of us. Our very predictable, ordered world has, for the most part, been in lockdown. And yet in the shadow of that experience, we have been caused to stop and reflect. To stop being consumed by the myriad of demands and obligations that have crept their way into our world. And to reflect on that which is most important, that which is most precious, that which is lasting. In the midst of the uncertainty, God has been at work. I learned a long time ago that a faith that is never tested is of little or no worth. It was the experience of Peter as Christ spoke into his life in Luke chapter 22, where it's recorded, Simon, Simon, how God has pursued you that he might make you part of his harvest. But I have prayed for you. I have prayed that your faith will hold firm and that you will recover from your failure and become a source of strength for your brothers here. For Peter, that experience humbled him. It shifted his perspective and added substance to his witness. This pandemic that we have lived through and wrestled with over the last 13 months has been an open invitation to tease out our relationship with God, void of the demands and the distractions of life, and to assess truly our relationship with him. Lingering in the shadow of the cross allows us the privilege to stop and reflect. 
For Mary and her companion, this was the first point in a journey of understanding. And like her, there is that point of time when we are compelled to venture out to the tomb. Each of the four Gospels make mention of this journey. Two note the spices that the women bought to anoint Christ's body. But Matthew, true to his less sophisticated style of writing, puts it this way. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the others went to look at the tomb. Whilst we readily accept the two writers' suggestion that the women came to anoint Jesus, is it possible that their intent was as basic and as simple as Matthew put it, to look at the tomb? Commissioner Phil Needham in his book Lenten Awakening raises his own question, suggesting perhaps there is still a thread of lingering confidence. Perhaps the women see past the overwhelming evidence of failure to a glimmer of an awakening hope and they cling to it and nurture it deep down in their quiet way. Part of them remains open to a different outcome, to a Jesus who will not let them down. The venture to the tomb was part of that journey of understanding. There are times when we are called to look at the tomb. For each of us, that experience is as individual as we are. We venture to the tomb to give expression to our emotions, to confront the hurt, the pain, the uncertainty, the loss, to gain a fresh perspective on the world or on our lives. Ultimately, for all of us, it is to realign our vision. True, there is a time to linger beneath the cross. There is a time to look at the tomb, to confront life's harshest realities and to secure a new perspective. But there is also a time when we need to venture back out into the world. Matthew 28 verse 7 onwards. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. As the dawn lifted on Golgotha, so the veil of gloom and despair was peeled from their eyes. That divine encounter, that resurrection morning, marked their lives. What did I say earlier? A faith that is never tested is of little or no worth. There are times when the easier choice is to fall back on our own resources to where we feel comfortable to a more predictable life. But at what price? God purposely and strategically invests into our lives. Each experience is a stepping stone towards a greater understanding of ourselves and a deeper sense of the reality of God at work within us. Each stage has the potential to strengthen our resolve and to add substance to our testimony. Each encounter equipping us to go back out into the world that first Easter Sunday, the world that this small group of women had known radically realigned. Their world would never be the same again. Superimposing the Easter experience over our lives, we have to acknowledge the journey, that there is a time to reflect, there is a time to relate, and there is a time to respond. Yes, there is a time to linger beneath the shadow of the cross. Yes, there is a time to look at the tomb. But yes, there is a time to venture back out into the world. The one constant within our lives, unshaken by time, is the assurance of God's presence, God's purpose and God's power. If I could take the liberty of just one extra touch point, it would be this, that Christ meets us on the road. Note 
The fear and apprehension of Mary, as referenced in Mark's gospel, as she returned to Jerusalem, was offset by her encounter with the living Lord as he met her on the road. And what was the response of Mary and her companion? Matthew 28 from verse 9. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Him. They bowed, they clung, and they worshipped him. Our journey of faith requires us to take the first step. Yet at the point where faith becomes real is the exact same point where Christ meets with us. My prayer is that we will know that reality this Easter.
I'm sure you'd like to join me in thanking Colonel Maxwell for his message to us this Easter. Such an appropriate message for these unique times in which we're living. God bless you in all that you do for him each day. And I'd also like to thank songster leader Matt Woods for that beautiful vocal solo that we heard after the sermon. Matt is a young man I've known all his life ever since he was a very small child, and we worshipped the Lord together in Portsmouth and Southsea. I don't think I could ever close an Easter Sunday meeting in any other way than by using this final song, number 358, and in particular I need to use this wonderful arrangement by Colonel Charles Skinner. I got used to ending the Sunday of Easter weekend with this piece when I was growing up, as it was such a favourite way to end Easter Sunday for my father, Major Ken Harry. It's hard to believe that Dad has been in his home in glory for 20 years this month. But let's raise our voices together one more time tonight, as we crown him with many crowns.
And may the joy of the living Christ live within your heart today. May his blessing fill your life with good things. And may we always be prepared to stand up to the challenge of the cross. And now may thy grace, peace and heaven's richest and choicest blessings go with us all day, every day. Amen.